KRCL, Salt Lake City. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. Thanks for plugging into your community weeknights at 6 here on Radioactive. I'm Laura Jones. On the show tonight, more music meets activism. This time, Salt Lake Tribune reporter Zach Podmore, whose latest reports cover the fate of Lake Powell and Glen Canyon. Plus, sneak peeks of the Utah Humanities Book Festival and this weekend's Urban Arts Festival. We'll also have someone drop by from the Policy Project, the Utah Period Project. So stick around for that, plus comments from Salt Lake County Mayor Jenny Wilson, who's not pleased with the decision announced earlier today by UDOT, Utah Department of Transportation, that they're going with the gondola. Gondola? Gondola? I guess it depends if you're in a boat or in a cable car. Anyway, stick around. You're going to find out what the mayor thinks, and she's also got a call to action for you in terms of public comment. What do you think about this? We'll be doing some shows on this coming up. We got lots on the show and guests in the studio to talk about events, so we're going to get started with the Utah Humanities Book Festival. Director Willie Palomo, poet in his own right, is here. Hey, Willie, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me here, Laura. I am so glad you're here because it looks like you have decided to turn the volume all the way up to 11 on this year's festival. Hundreds of events, right? And all over the state, um, we're trying to live stream as many events as possible. And also, we're trying to have ASL as many events as possible. So if you look at the um, event description, it'll let you know whether you need to request the ASL or whether it's already going to be there and where to find the live stream if you know you're going to be out of town or just unable to get there on the day of. So we're trying to make it as accessible as possible as well. Check tonight's show notes for a link to the calendar because this runs from September 5th through October, hundreds of events, and lots of different categories. Willie's going to dig into it, and I've already made him promise to share a a poem. Fellow poet Nan Seymour, full disclosure, childhood chum in studio. (laughs) Hey, how you doing? I'm great, Laura. Good to see you. And uh, folks, did you see Nan on the Great Salt Lake during the Utah legislature earlier this year? If not, we're going to talk a bit about that. But I'm glad you're here to share some poetry as well. And maybe we can start there about why poetry is vital in our polarized times, in what's supposed to be a booming economy, but we all know not for everybody, rising interest rates, rising rents. And poetry has long been an outlet for you. It has indeed, Lara. Um, As you know, we wrote poems together when we were young. Poetry is vital. It's a different frequency than what's happening in the news and on capitalism. Um, It's just coming in at a different channel. And so I think poetry is a call to attention. It's a really wonderful thing to bring to the lake and and bring forth on behalf of the lake. Um, Poetry is a way to gather. It's a way, it's a place sometimes for people to meet and we really need each other. Um, There's, it's a place to bring our grief and our praise. Uh, And it's a way to grow relationship, which is probably, I think, the core uh, to this whole question, not just for Great Salt Lake, but all water bodies. And for this time of aridification in the West, um, it's time to get right with water. Like, it's time to get right with our relationship. And poetry is really a means, one of the ways we can do that. Nan has quite a few readings coming up. You also hold forth with river writing workshops to help people access what's going on in yeah. their life and in the world through through writing. Um, I want you to read a poem, so getting ready, because you're going to go first. But okay. Willie, lots of poetry at this year's Utah Humanities Book Festival? Yeah, we do have a ton of poetry, and in some environments you don't quite expect as well. So September 23rd, a Friday, we have Humanities in the Wild, where we're doing bird qigong, so ancient Chinese martial art that's bird-inspired. And then we have Plumas Colectiva, which is a collective of Latinx writers and artists doing their bird poems about it. So it's And we're going to be at the Tracy Aviary as well. So new, the, the new, new one, river the Jordan Center. River yeah, Nature okay. Center, yeah. um, which is just gorgeous because it's just, you know, the birds um, at the aviary that's in the park, um, a lot of does are in rehabilitation or they're like just to survive because they can't be out in the wild. In the Jordan River Nature Center, they're just flying in and about as you're doing poetry or whatever you're doing. So it's a really beautiful environment over there as well. Um, there's a ton of different things that we're doing poetry oriented. So something that goes Q&A live tomorrow, that. right? Um, something that goes live on 
the fifth um, alternate reality game that we have called On My Way Home. Nan was one of the co-writers for the project as well as Ennin Whitby. And that is a really fun project because, you know, writing and reading is changing a whole bunch. So part of the format that we're playing with is an alternate reality game. The way it works is you either go um, on a link or you go um, pick up a hard copy of the book. And what you do is read and then it tells you to go somewhere. Okay. And then you got to go to that place, solve a puzzle. When you solve the puzzle, you'll get the next piece of the narrative. All right. So I'm looking at your schedule because, folks, when you go to the UtahHumanities.org website for the book festival, you can click on Poetry and Spoken Word. And it says the link goes live tomorrow, by the way. Mm-hmm. But I know the event is coming up on the 5th. And I'm already getting a sneak peek of, of um, this. And decoding the city is, is part of it, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and you're engaging with your environment. Yeah, engaging with the environment because there's a whole bunch of landmarks that we have specifically in Salt Lake County that aren't always ma- marked. The home of Wallace Thurman, a legendary Harlem Renaissance critic and writer who was also bisexual, who, like, we don't learn about, like, our that fact that, like, he was born in Salt Lake and, you know, spent a significant part of his life here. It's not like he was born and then split. He used He came back and used to do yeah. some of his deep work here. So, like, you can walk by his home and it's near Tinker's Cat Cafe and you would have no idea, right? So part of what we're doing is making people aware of like, hey, this space you're at used to be this or was this and we're using it to tell the story of LGBTQ plus history of authors in Utah as well. All right, so coming up on September 5th, mm-hmm. it's Labor Day. Yeah. On top of it, Willie and Nan and Anand Whippy at Under the Umbrella, 5 p.m., this alternate reality yeah. game. And the thing I should say, that's when it launches. So mm-hmm. it's a digital thing. Okay. You read it at your own pace. It's going to be live for the upcoming months. So you access the link and then you discover it as you go along. Um, we're also having a little launch party for it, September 24th. First, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's my birthday, Willie. which is your huh? birthday, and it's also like a solstice. Yeah, or like in case you forgot, like there's going to be a cake, cake. and yeah. I am going to bring it. Um, and then we're going to do a little celebration to just help draw attention to you know because it's not a non-traditional format. A lot of folks, you know. First of all, it's hard to get people to read books. That's why we got to do a book festival. And doing this new format is a way of engaging different people and also a way of getting people outside. If, you know, the past few years we've been a bit afraid to go outside. And yeah. it is a way of, you know, doing it hopefully in a safe way that will also teach you a little bit more about, yes, the history that Salt Lake has. Well, I'm looking at the schedule and, Nan, your name's in here like 12 times. So <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Humanities in the Wild, Irreplaceable with Nan Seymour. Helper River Pavilion on September 10th. And then one more that I can uh, pull September up. September right? 17th in Escalante yeah. as well. Yeah. Steamboat Mountain Reading Series with Nan on the 10th as I'm well. I'm going That's some great places. I'm so excited to be yeah. at these rivers and to gather with people at the water's edge. Um, this Saturday, I'm at the lake with Amy May at uh, Tree Utah. Yeah. yeah, Tree Utah. And Amy and I have facilitated over the whole year, we've facilitated out there writing circles. So there'll be one at Antelope Island Visitors Center, two to four. And that's um, not on the book festival list, but everything else is. And um, then the Saturday after that, uh, Price River, then Escalante River, and then back to the lake. So every weekend there's a way to gather at receding shorelines or riverbanks and just bring a pen and show up, uh, not because you already think you're a great writer, you don't have to identify that way, but just come to witness and have really friendly ways to invite people to get words on the page. Well, let's hear some of the words that you've gotten All on right. the page. All a little right. taste of what folks can expect yeah. with poet Nan Seymour. This is actually verse 74 of an 80-verse poem called um, Irreplaceable. Vil- Willie has also got a verse that he's going to bring. And most of this poem, well, this poem was really gathered during the vigil you mentioned. So during the last uh, Utah State Legislative Session, uh, writers, including myself, kept vigil the whole session, we were on Antelope Island in a camper, um, writing, collecting poetry, and then this will be a book coming out in the fall. Uh, it has a foreword by Terry Tempest Williams, and I am excited about that. Uh, but the content of the poem itself is great. It has over 400 voices in it um, and over 2,500 lines. This is just one verse that I wrote. <coughs> okay. Once we had everything. Once we had everything. We had an island full of bison. We had a sky full of flight. We had a sea full of northern shovelers. In fall, we had an ocean full of grebes. 
divers with ruby eyes and dark lashes. We had everything. Meadowlarks tuned the morning, coyotes crooned the night. We had beaches full of sand and each grain a spherical world. Not ground, but grown. Complete concentric rings calcified around feces of fairy shrimp. We had circles full of people bearing stories, some not easy to tell, and yet the tellers told them anyway. We had a basin and a range. We lived on a seafloor. We wanted nothing more than what we dreamt at night as we slept in her generous bed, which once held all the water, the same water which once held my mother, a nine-year-old looking to hers, and her mother who said, look how the water holds my large body. She can hold you. And then my mother laughing with delight. And we were once water too. Mirroring the skies, we doubled heaven. We were lyrical, fluid, and lake-voiced. We had a smell, ripe with life. We had salt in our eyes. We felt the sting. We were a great body reclaiming. We were a basin, yearning to be full again. We were a great lake, dreaming herself whole again. Once she had everything. Once we had everything. Got to get you my poetry snaps, Nan <laughs> Seymour. Thanks for the snaps, You're Lara. welcome. <laughs> Willie, what you got? Because you are the book festival director, organizer, facilitator, but you're a poet and you're all right. Are you going to be uh, reading or slamming it all during the festival yourself? You know, I'll probably do some pieces for the Plumas open mic that's happening September 16th, as well as that Humanities in a Wild Bird Qigong we were mentioning that's happening September 23rd. And you might catch me around here and there um, doing some poems. Um, the piece I have is actually one that um, Nan prompted drew to Irreplaceable Poem, which is this huge collective of voices, all sorts of people all throughout Utah talking about the relationship with the lake. Um, I want to mention that my ancestors probably called the lake Deguayo um, because the Mexica were likely a large part of my ancestry. Um, and this poem's called To the Baby Pelican. Praise the baby pelicans, salt white feathers tarred like filthy and immaculate prophets. We must all be notorious, ready to die for your gospel of crack and eggshell. Each of your feathers is a quill, a page of the book of life black with our gasoline. Nobody reads books anymore for fear of what is written about them. Heirs of air and cloud, blood brothers of breath and wind, your bones are snow that never melts, only glistens. You are disgusting and pure, the guilty condemn you only because innocence pains them, it pains me. To see the twisted hay of your feathers, the weak air melting beneath your wings until you land like a ripped grocery bag, eggs broken, milk claiming a continent on the tile. Ravens will dive, foxes sniff. They will join you in your sticky grave, devoured by their own hunger. Rest now, young one. This pain is for the living. I was getting my stabs on a bit too early. <laughs> you're good, you're good. Yeah. So lots of poetry, and we're going to do some more shows because this is going on through October, the Utah Humanities Book Festival. I do recommend, folks, following their Twitter account, Utah Book Fest, because, uh, Willie, you're posting all these unusual things like, um, uh, let's see, uh, Unwell Women, Misdiagnosis and Myth Oof. in a Man-Made World with Dr. Eleanor Cleghorn on September 13th, 12 p.m. Again, going to be happening Zoom. on Zoom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, then No Stranger to Adversity, C. Valenta, is now on his way to being a hip-hop legend on September 7th, 4 p.m. at West Jordan Middle School. Yes. A teen writing workshop? Yes, and he's also going to be one of the guest teachers at this cool program we have with Spy Hop called Resonate. We're looking for young MCs, 19 and younger, who are ready to create. Um, there's going to be an audition, and then what these young MCs will get is a chance to work with folks like C. Valenta, folks like Zach Ivey, folks like The Messenger working rappers in our community that are already touring performing and learning how to like build those skills um to be young artists yes because a lot of times you can have this passion and be creating great stuff but not know how to put it out there and not know how to get shows not know how to really connect and make it sustainable once you know your little school gig ends and then you know you have to be working nine to fives just to be able to like 
live and eat. So part of what we're trying to do is give, um, you know, young folks the skills so that they can be working artists when they, you know, graduate and are ready to put themselves out there. So what is the website where folks can catch up on this uh, gigantic 25th anniversary book festival? Yes, it's the 25th anniversary, which is huge for us, a whole quarter century. You want to go to utahhumanities.org. There's going to be a book festival calendar if you want to search for things by date. Then if, let's say, if you're only interested in things for your kiddos, we have a children's and teens lineup that'll tell you all the great stuff we're doing there. We have drag queen story time. We also have like these wonderful events about nature people are wild with margot mccank happening um and then if you're interested in the environment or something other specific category that way we have it categorized for you to go check out those events in particular i personally recommend just following us on facebook instagram um or twitter at utah book fest twitter and and instagram and on facebook it's utah humanities book fest just because like if you're driving and you hear something that you want to check out i mean it's going to be hard to pull out that pencil and write it down um (laughs) there's a lot of cool events that are happening and you kind of just want to be able to get a bird's eye view and then you know circle the ones you want to go to i think of it like the scholastic book fair i used to go through those (laughs) little like i used to go through those and then just (laughs) circle the books and then be like okay these are the ones i'm thinking about like begging my mom for we're trying to do the same deal, yes, for like, you know, <laughs> and adults. And the books are and like $1.25. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm older than you. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and most of the events are entirely free. And That's again, sweet. we're trying to have ASL at as many as possible and trying to live stream as many as possible Great. so that, you know, if you happen to have, you know, a work shift that you can't get covered or something like that, that we got you and you'll still be able to engage. Thanks so much, Willie. And Nan, where can folks catch up with you? Best places are riverriding.com slash events. That's a great place to find all the workshops, connections, including connections to the Utah Humanities sites. And then um, uh, a link that I shared with you, Laura, has all the readings. And so if you want to share that specifically, that's a little more obscure, but there's just kind of made a hub. There's so (laughs) many readings and it's so exciting to be able to read in in the you know near bodies of water and with people yeah. who care really means a lot to be able to do that well thanks Nan thanks for holding vigil and I'm guessing it's going to continue it's going to happen again next year Laura maybe you'll come out okay yeah. we have the camper uh, <laughs> not yet does anyone have a camper That's <laughs> let me just throw that out there you want to donate uh, the use of a camper to the vigil please contact me <laughs> alright folks when we come back we're going to get into the Urban Arts Festival and also the Policy Project Utah Period Project there is a community effort that you can take part in. But first, earlier today, UDOT announced its choice to relieve congestion in Little Cottonwood Canyon, a gondola. Radioactive shared comments, well, we are sharing them right now, from Salt Lake County Mayor Jenny Wilson's press conference responding to that decision, one that could cost taxpayers in excess of $500 million. I'm not happy that they have given preference to a gondola, but I am very pleased that UDOT has been listening to me and the community uh, when many of us have spoken up and ask for a phased approach, an approach that I uh, call a common sense solution approach. And that's that we invest first in some things that are gonna actually move the needle. Uh, Those items being regional transit hubs, uh, electric busing, and that we uh, work through better scheduling systems through UDOT and other means, that we implement these solutions first and that uh, before we rip up the canyon and build 262 feet towers, um, that we harm the taxpayers uh, to the tune of over a half a billion dollars, that we implement some less costly and common sense solutions that make some sense. Uh, There are a couple things that came out of the report. We've just had an hour or two now to dig a little bit to better understand. And those items include uh, the idea that we're going to expand the uh, traffic parking lot uh, proposed for the, the little Cottonwood Canyon site at Lakai to include additional parking. And that if the gondola were to be built, we wouldn't be uh, transporting people to the site. That uh, gave me deep concern in that I fear that we would then just be pushing congestion further back into Cottonwood Heights and impact the road system that will harm neighbors, and it certainly doesn't solve the problem. So I do see a few things that I want to go to UDOT now and say, hey, can you explain this? does not um, pencil out based on my leveling of engagement on this issue. 
Uh, but generally, I think we do have some time. I have a call to action to the public, and that is please go to the UDOT website. If you share my concerns over cost and over impact to the canyon, file a report. Tell them what you are concerned about. Um, maybe you're not a canyon user, but you don't like the idea of a half a billion dollar investment in taxpayers' money for a gondola that will stop um, at only the ski resorts. Two stops, Alta and Snowbird. Uh, if you're a fiscal conservative, that should concern you. Uh, if you're a lover of the canyon and you don't want to look up at 200 and some odd foot towers and have that visual impact and also live with the years and years of construction that that would take uh, to occur, to happen, uh, then file your concerns over that. Um, I'm concerned about both. I'm a mom, I'm a taxpayer, I'm a resident. The idea of writing a check of public dollars for a half a billion dollar investment, that is concerning to me as a resident. It's even more concerning as a mayor when we look at all of the needs in our community. Salt Lake County Mayor Jenny Wilson responding to the announcement earlier today by UDOT, the Utah Department of Transportation, that they are going to go ahead with a, uh, a gondola in Little Cottonwood Canyon to relieve congestion. Tech, check tonight's show notes for a link to the public comment uh, website, as well as the full press conference with the mayor. And now joining me in studio, we have from the Policy Project, the Utah Period Project, Emily Bell McCormick. Hi, how you doing? So well. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed a button. Oh. Got so much going on. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, you folks reached out and said we got something going on the com community can help us with, and it's coming up on September 13th. Policy Project and OpFlow are going to host a period party to donate free menstrual products, and this is in no small part due to the success at the legislature earlier this year, right? Yeah, it's so exciting. So just at the end of this legislative session, we were able to pass a bill, HB 162, that was period products in schools, and that's essentially every single school in the state of Utah, K through 12, now has period products freely available in all girls and all gender bathrooms. And all charter schools as well. Charter, yes. I was looking at your Insta, I think, uh -huh. and there was a great sign, toilet paper's free. <laughs> totally. You know, and that just really, uh, I mean, as a woman, obviously this issue resonates with me, but that... I think resonates with everyone. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that was one of the big things that we were able to say to people is, hey, we're never going to remove all the toilet paper from every school in the state of Utah and say, you know what, we're just going to go over to a donation model. Let's see how much toilet paper we can have donated, then send kids all the way to the <laughs> office, ask if they have toilet paper, take it back there. We're not going to do that, right? So we shouldn't ask kids to do that with period products either. So how can the community help with this project? Well, we're super excited. We actually have an awesome event coming up that you just mentioned on September 13th that is a student ambassador event we're really focusing in on our youth trying to get 12 uh, kids age 12 to 18 girls boys doesn't matter everybody's welcome to come and help put together period product kits which is basically tampons pads all the period products um to give out to schools for weekend kits because as we know periods don't stop for weekends no nor do they do they stop for holiday breaks or anything like that and, and you so, can't just hold it yeah. contrary to some reporting <laughs> of I comments know. isn't it amazing yeah. yeah you some people there really is that like false narrative that like number one or number two you can hold it yeah there's no holding it we always no. say it's more like a bloody nose than going number one right, right. so a little different yeah, and it's so hard to talk about, and I appreciate your candor yeah. and your humor as well. So how can folks donate year-round or get involved in this? Yeah, that's hugely helpful. So um, to donate, they can visit thepolicyproject.org, and we are 501c3, so that's amazing. And again, to volunteer, you can also visit that. But get your kids involved as well. Have them come to this. Like We really want to engage students and have them grow up feeling empowered to be community activists and be involved in good causes. And to normalize this conversation oh, right yeah okay what is the website the website is www.thepolicyproject.org now are you opening chapters across the country by chance? we have had a lot of interest across the country so we're doing a lot of state trainings on how different states can get this kind of legislation passed that's really cool and yes we do have students from different states joining in so well thank you so much for coming down i know there's some confusion about whether you're going to be on the phone so i really appreciate the effort to fight the train yeah, and so get sorry. on down here and please let us know about all your events coming up so we can help get the word out thank you okay. so much really appreciate it emily bell mccormick president and founder of the policy project 
Project and the Utah Period Project. Check tonight's show notes. And you're welcome to take off as we move into our conversation about another festival happening this weekend as we go into Labor Day. It is the annual Urban Arts Festival. And director Cleopatra Balfour is here. Hi, Hi. how you doing? Great. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming down to the station. And also, Derek Dyer, Executive Director of the Utah Arts Alliance, which started the Urban Arts Festival. How you doing? I'm doing great. So the largest free festival in Utah. That's right. So, uh, you know, how many years is this now? This is our 12th year. You know, with COVID, I've lost track of how we do annual anything, right? <laughs> so, uh, and also understand that, Cleopatra, you're new. This is your first festival. Yes, this is my first year producing the Urban Arts Festival for the Utah Arts Alliance. Okay, is there a theme? Is there a couple of highlights you want to shout out? You know, we have a, a lot of great things happening. We're really excited for this 12th year. On Friday, September 2nd, uh, we have a lowrider car, custom car culture ex- exhibition that's I'm happening so from 5 to that. 10 p.m. It's really fun to see all of those cars and the beautiful artwork and the all of the time that goes into that cultural community. And then also we have a hop-off showcase that will be happening right in front of the Urban Arts Gallery from se- at 730 um, to showcase that as well. So this is all down at the Gateway, right, Derek? Yes. And, Cle- and Cleopatra. I'm getting you both in here. Um, the Gateway is also where you have an art gallery, correct? Yes, yeah. So um, the Urban Arts Gallery at the Gateway has been around also for about 12 years, Mm -hmm. and that was born of the Urban Arts Festival. So the first year we threw Urban Arts Festival, the, the community really showed up, loved it. And then we had this concept of just sort of creating a gallery to uh, uh, capture that energy and support those artists that show at the Urban Arts uh, uh, Festival. And um, yeah, for the last six years, we've won Best Gallery in Utah from the voters of City Weekly. So it's uh, grown into this really important cultural facility and uh, uh, service to artists year round. Um, But it's great to have the festival uh, connect to the gallery uh, like that during the festival. So what about music, Cleopatra? Oh my gosh, we have got some fun music happening during the festival. So we've got two stages activated throughout the festival. We've got our KUAA um, um, station stage on the north end of the plaza. And then we also have the Gateway main stage happening on 100 South. We've got local artists, musicians, performers, entertainments happening all weekend long, the second, the third, and the fourth. But on Saturday, September 3rd, we actually have Rozelle coming, a former member of The Roots. He's a three-time Grammy Award winner winning beatboxer as well as carnage the executioner and that is going to be an amazing show that's going to be fantastic and again derek largest free arts festival in utah yeah i mean it's it's amazing so you'll be able to see over 100 different artist vendors you got the lowrider showcase you got the harden paint basketball league uh that'll be on uh, sunday um there's amazing music i mean the lineup all three days is incredible uh, but especially that Saturday night with Rozelle um, is going to be something else. So don't miss it. Well, Cleopatra, one of the things I always look forward to at this festival is the live mural painting going on. Give us a little sneak peek. That is such a fun aspect of the festival, just because a lot of people don't see the live painting. They don't have that opportunity. So during the festival, all three days, we'll actually have live murals p- being painted by artists throughout the um, festival. So we've got chalk painting happening Friday night. We've got graffiti painters. We've got um, acrylic painters all happening throughout the festival so that people can kind of experience that. With the free festival, we want to make sure that our community has access and accessibility to the arts. And that's one of the important things for the Arts Alliance in, in our engagement. And there's a huge artist market. Yes, we've got an artist marketplace where we have over 100 local and national artists that are coming out to exhibit. It's really fun to see all of the unique creations that they have. And people can come in and buy cool, unique items for gifts for family members. We've got Christmas right around the corner. Oh, so come wait, on over it's to still that. like triple digits, Cleopatra. <laughs> well, I don't know. If you've seen retail lately, it might be confusing. <laughs> very true so again the 12th annual urban arts festival what's the best website for folks to check out utah urbanartsfest.org so www.urbanartsfest.org and then the parent organization utah arts alliance for all the great programming you do around here dreamscape all these things where can people go yeah we keep it pretty busy um we probably interacted with y'all that are listening in some way or another but yeah you can go to utaharts.org 
You can learn more about Urban Arts Festival, Illuminate Festival, all the different events that we do, as well as all of our programs and facilities such as Dreamscapes, Urban Arts Gallery, and a lot of the other things we're doing. Thanks so much for coming in and giving folks a sneak peek of the Urban Arts Festival. Cleopatra, Balfour, and Derek Dyer. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. Stick around. Coming up next, Music Meets Activism with Zach Podmore of the Salt Lake Tribune. Support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru, a community partner of YWCA Utah and the Stand Against Racism Challenge. Mark Miller Subaru loves diversity. Learn more at ywcautah.org and markmillersubaru.com. Support for KRCL comes from our listeners and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. This is Radioactive on KRCL 90.9. I'm Laura Jones. Coming up at 7 o'clock, Democracy Now!, followed by two hours of Punk and Ska with Liz and the Rude Awakening Show. Forgash and Cody D checking in at 10.30 with Maximum Distortion, Utah's only heavy metal radio show. And a brand new day starting up at 6 a.m. The last two weeks of any show available on demand, folks, at krcl.org. Just click on the Programs tab. And now it's time to pass the microphone for another edition of Music Meets Activism, recorded earlier today over Zoom. Let's pass the microphone and meet today's guest. Here we go. Sure, yeah, my name is Zach Podmore. I live in Bluff, Utah, and I'm the Southeast Utah reporter for the Salt Lake Tribune. Zach, welcome to another edition of Music Meets Activism here on KRCL's Radioactive. We're excited to offer up your playlist and also dig into some of your reporting, which just this past weekend was the cover story about Lake Powell. So tell me what you've been focusing on as the reporter down in that part of Utah. Yeah, I've been spending a bunch of time on, on Lake Powell this year. Um, right, I've written over a dozen stories for the Salt Lake Tribune on different aspects of the changes that are happening out on the lake as it uh, declines down to record lows. Um, I've joined, you know, scientists who are studying, you know, the way the sediment is moving around in the lake, uh, ecologists who are looking at how life is coming back to the side canyons, um, and then talk to a lot of folks about the impacts on the recreation economy as well as trying to look at the bigger picture, you know, water policy discussion that's going on around the, the Colorado River right now. And um, a lot of that is related to the the level on Lake Powell, which uh, is, you know, at its lowest point since it first filled and is expected to continue to decline and uh, is at a point now where um, the Bureau of Reclamation is, is calling for the, the biggest cuts to water use in uh, in the history of the Southwest, and um, that's you know going to be a um, an interesting and um, likely divisive political battle that's going to unfold over the the next several years here as um, as people figure out how to use less water to uh, <laughs> um, to match the amount of water that's actually available in in the Colorado River. Well, we like to pull back the curtain a bit on our guests here for Music Meets Activism. So share a bit of your origin story, how you find yourself in this job. I mean, I think most people, to write about water, to write about the West, they really got to care about it. And there's something in their origin story that leads them there. So tell us a bit more about Zach Podmore. I grew up in in Colorado, uh, near the Colorado River in Glenwood Springs. Um, I did a lot of river running growing up. And after I graduated from college, I did a... uh, a four-month source-to-sea kayak trip on the Green and Colorado Rivers, starting up in the Wind River Mountains in Wyoming and coming down, you know, through Canyonlands National Park, meeting the the Colorado River and crossing Lake Powell, heading through the Grand Canyon, and then heading all the way down to uh, the Gulf of California and Mexico, where the, the river dries up. Um, so that's that was before I was a journalist, but it got me interested in in journalism and trying to tell. Um, some of the stories that are related to to water in the West and that, you know, have so many different angles and aspects to them from uh, human use and the, the 40 million people in the Colorado River Basin that rely on, on that water, but also the environmental, um, you know, benefits that these rivers give to both, you know, people who like to enjoy uh, river canyons, um, and then the ecosystems that are so dependent on rivers in in the desert. In fact, you write a lot about that in your book from 2015, Confluence, Navigating the Personal and Political on Rivers of the New West. That title there kind of says it all. The personal and the political are really uh, at loggerheads right now, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, 
there has been a drought in the Colorado River Basin for 22 years now, since the year 2000. Um, it's, you know, many climate scientists think it's not you know, appropriate to refer to it as a drought anymore, but um, should be called aridification or a mega drought, something that's more permanent and um, might not end anytime soon, uh, like you'd typically think of a drought. Um, so yeah, the the um, the runoff has been a lot less in the in the Colorado River Basin, and the use has continued to stay pretty steady from uh, the seven Colorado River Basin states, um, and that's really what's um, drained these reservoirs. Not enough inflow and too much um, too much demand in the basin, and we're re reaching the crisis point now, uh, twenty two years later, because there's been so much storage in the reservoirs, but. Um, but yeah, there's um, now it's the t now it's clear that something needs to be done and kind of business as usual can't continue because there really isn't enough uh, water in the reservoirs to continue business as usual. Well, this brings us to the first song on your playlist tonight for Music Meets Activism, and it's from a friend. That's right. Yeah, this is my friend uh, Elliot Goldman. He lives in Park City. He plays with the band uh, Swinging Lights. And this is a song um, he wrote a number of years ago. It was on his first EP. Um, and he wrote it on a trip after a trip we did together on on the Green River. So, Green River Blues, Music Meets Activism with Zach Podmore of the Salt Lake Tribune. Stick around. More to come here on KRCL Radioactive. A Stolen Jewel by Charlie Crockett is on my guest's Music Meets Activism playlist this evening. We have with us Zach Podmore of the Salt Lake Tribune here on KRCL Radioactive. So tell us about this song. What's the story behind it being on your playlist tonight, Zach? Yeah, uh, Charlie Crockett is a um, an artist that I really like. He's been putting out a ton of music recently. Um, he's he's not an indigenous artist, but I think this song um, speaks a little bit to the the history of you know the. Um, the Colorado River Basin, both because it's about a river, um, but also about the the theft uh, that you know took place in this country um, when you know the land was stolen from indigenous people. Um, you know, of course, um, that happened uh, throughout the, the continent. Um, but in the case of the Colorado River, when the Colorado River Compact was signed in 1922, that really set the the law of the river. Uh, that divides up the water between the seven states in the basin from from California to to Utah, Colorado, and Wyoming. Um, the you know Native Americans weren't even um, citizens at that point. They wouldn't get citizenship until several years after 1922. Um, so they certainly weren't included in in the discussions that were happening with that compact. Um, and even a hundred years later today, um, you know they've the thirty uh, Native American tribes in the Colorado River Basin have been largely excluded from uh, discussions about how to uh, deal with drought um, and how to, you know, make the cuts that are that are needed to stabilize these reservoirs like Lake Powell. And um, that's happening kind of, you know, the last hundred years of history has also coincided with uh, repeated court rulings that have um, you know, shown these 30 tribes um, are entitled to around 25% of, of the um, river in the Colorado River, um, even though, you know, many of those tribes have not yet been able to develop their water rights. So this is going to be um, an important factor in um, figuring out what the future of the water use in the basin is, is going to look like is um, settling those, those water rights and, um, figuring out how to, um, you know, allow for development of, of that water um, that, you know, was given to uh, many non-Indigenous communities over the last 100 plus years in these states um, through the, the construction of dams and canals and uh, irrigation projects, but um, has, has not been, you know, equitable when it comes to the, the 30 tribes in the basin. We're talking Music Meets Activism tonight with Zach Podmore of the Salt Lake Tribune. And if you're unfamiliar with Zach's work, we'll put a link in the show notes so you can check it out. In fact, if you missed the Tribune, the hard copy over the weekend, beautiful front page photo. 
Is this the death of Lake Powell and also photographing Glen Canyon again? So give us the top line here on your reporting from this weekend. Is this the death of Lake Powell? Um, yeah, in that story, I, I try to uh, trace three potential you know paths that could that could happen on Lake Powell. Um, it seems pretty clear to many water managers and, and people who are uh, deeply involved in this issue that, uh, like I said, you know, business as usual can't continue, and there needs to be some really significant changes um, out of necessity in in water use in in the river basin. Um, so the the three kind of paths that I explore in the article are um, what it would take to refill Lake Powell, which is what a coalition of um, motorized recreation groups are calling for, refilling it to where it was a few years ago, where uh, many of the boat ramps are operational again. They've, they've mostly shut down in these last couple of years. Um, and that would be uh, pretty difficult, according to an old, their, you know, a study that, that this group put out themselves that require a you know, 30% reduction in water use in the basin year after year, unless uh, suddenly we get a wetter cycle. Um, which, you know, climate projections don't necessarily predict to happen anytime soon, um, though you never know what's going to happen with the weather. Um, the other um, possibility is modifying the Glen Canyon Dam to um, drill tunnels around the base of the dam and allow it to drain completely if, if necessary. Right now, that's not possible based on the design of the dam. Uh, the lowest outlets on the Glen Canyon Dam are um, a few hundred feet above the riverbed. Um, so even if it got to its lowest point that physically water can be released under the current design, uh, the, the reservoir would still back up for 100 miles and um, would create, you know, major um, problems for water delivery to Lake Mead, you know, through the Grand Canyon to lower basin states like California, Arizona, Nevada, and the country of Mexico. Um, if, if those, um, if the dam were modified in those tunnels were built, um, it could, you know, be um, what people who are, who are calling for that would be, you know, the, um, the largest act of environmental restoration uh, potentially ever attempted in this country. It would, um, you know, allow for the Colorado River to flow through Glen Canyon again and um, would continue a process of ecological restoration that's already begun in the side canyons as Lake Powell has uh, fallen to to record low levels. Um, so that's one potential uh, outcome. Um, but it's, you know, not being widely explored. The, the Bureau of Reclamation did announce they're looking at ways to modify the dam, but um, they said they're not looking at decommissioning the dam at this point. And so between those two options, draining the lake or refilling it, um, there's kind of the worst case scenario that everyone agrees is, is a place we don't want to go, which is called uh, Deadpool. And that would be letting the lake fall to those lowest river outlets that I was talking about. Um, you have the 100 miles of reservoir backed up. You have the water delivery pro problems. You have um, a loss of hydropower at the dam. And you have um, even major complications for recreation. Um, the lower the lake gets, the more it fluctuates from year to year. Um, so it would be really hard to um, manage the the boat ramps um, and the you know facilities, marinas that are there for um, recreational users. This gets us to the next song on your Music Meets Activism playlist. And uh, forgive me for dragging you as a reporter into that uh, dirty word that starts with an A, but your playlist is awesome. So let's get to Woody Guthrie and Grand Coulee Dam. Why this song on the list? Um, I think, you know, whatever your views are on Lake Powell now, whether you love it as, you know, the world-class recreation destination for houseboating and, and water skiing and all that, or if um, you've been influenced by, you know, the environmental movement that was really born around these dams in the in the 1960s, um, like David Brower and the Sierra Club's battle against the Echo Park dams and regret over uh, not stopping the Glen Canyon Dam or the more, um, you know, fiery uh, takes on it from from people like Edward Abbey. Um, I think the the piece of the story um, that gets forgotten in on kind of all sides of the debate today largely is the um, the really radical um, 
origins of the Bureau of Reclamation. These were publicly owned, you know, reservoirs that were uh, owned by American citizens, uh, built by taxpayers, and the power that's produced at these dams is, um, you know, goes back into the the federal treasury. Um, so these are public power works, and they really inspired at the at the time of their construction people like Woody Guthrie, um, who in this song is is celebrating the uh, the Grand Coulee Dam, which is built. Um, between, you know, after the Hoover Dam was completed and before the Glen Canyon Dam was completed. And um, the the Bureau of Reclamation was really denounced as, uh, in its early days, as being a socialist project. And uh, Woody Guthrie has some some socialist sympathies. And I think um, it's it's interesting to, to think about, you know, how differently these dams were viewed when they were being constructed as they are now. Before we hit play, if folks have a story down in your neck of the woods that you're covering, how can they get in touch? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Zach Podmore, or uh, email me, zpodmore at sltrib.com. All right, here we go with some Woody Guthrie. Grand Coulee Dam on Zach's Music Meets Activism playlist here on KRCL Radioactive. Well, the world has seven wonders that the travelers always tell. Little Big Town, Pontoon on KRCL Radioactive. Another song on the Music Meets Activism playlist of my guest this evening, Zach Podmore of the Salt Lake Tribune. So, Zach, this song is a shout-out to motorboat culture at Lake Powell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the um, the decline of Lake Powell um, has had its most immediate impacts um, you know, on the lake itself, on, on recreational users, the, the dangling rope marina, which once sold more gas than, than any other gas station in the entire state of Utah, uh, shut down last year. It was a floating marina halfway between the two um, major boat ramps at, at Waweep and um, Bullfrog. And um, as I was saying earlier, you know, most of the boat ramps are closed. There are two open right now, but one of them is, is expected to shut down in the next couple months here. And, you know, the recreation economy built around Lake Powell in, in towns like uh, uh, Page, Arizona, um, is, you know, drives uh, $400 million in, in economic activity every year. Um, so they're uh, the, the many people who go to enjoy Lake Powell year after year to uh, to houseboat and camp and, and do the other uh, lake activities there are um, are worried. I've seen, you know, um, people I've talked to about the future of the lake. Um, so that's that's certainly part of the story that's, that's happening there right now. Another part of the story is what you can visually see. And that's another story that you uh, recently published with the Salt Lake Tribune, photographing Glen Canyon again. Tell us about what you're seeing and what the subjects in this story are capturing on film. Yeah, I went out a couple months ago with a photographer from Flagstaff, Arizona named Don Kish, who has a, an antique uh, large format uh, camera that once belonged to a man named Tad Nichols, who was, um, you know, who, who Don Kish considers to be the Ansel Adams of Glen Canyon. He um, just took know, hundreds of, of stunning black and white landscape photographs of Glen Canyon before the dam was built. Um, he did dozens of trips down there in the in the 1950s with um, a, a more famous friend of his named Katie Lee, who was a, a folk singer and um, environmental activist writer. Um, and the project that Don is working on now is, is taking Tad's camera out and, and showing the parts of Glen Canyon that are re-emerging with, with low water. Um, she's making a film about the project as well. And it's uh, she's an, an incredibly talented photographer and she's um, been able to you know, use uh, Tad Nichols' style of, of photographing the landscape to tell a new chapter in this, in this story of Lake Powell. Uh, Tad Nichols was, you know, fighting the dam's construction in the 1950s, and now Don Kish is is showing the uh, the reemergence of some of those places um, as Lake Powell gets to low levels. Well, and I recommend folks check out the story. We'll put a link in the show notes because of what Katie Lee said about what she'd do if she ever met the arch dam builder and former Bureau of Reclamation Commissioner Floyd Dominey. I'll just let folks go find that for themselves, shall we say, <laughs> Zach? Sounds good. <laughs> but, um, the, you know, one of the things that this story points out is that more things change, the more they stay the same, if not get worse, when it comes to the aridification that's going on in our state, Zach. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, the, the changes to the climate um, are probably most uh, visually evident in in what's happened to Lake Powell over the last 20 years. The, the decline in runoff, which is 20% lower um, over the last 20 years compared to the, the previous century's average, um, is, is definitely linked to climate change. And um, it's it's possible that that it'll get even worse um, if if uh, carbon dioxide levels in the atmosphere continue to rise. So, well, my thanks to all of our guests this hour, but you in particular, Zach, for putting together this music meets activism playlist and playing along with us. Check tonight's show notes, folks, for links to Zach's reporting as well as the list his music meets activism playlist. Um, I just want to go out with a song and a song that you know, uh, by implication, might not, we might not be able to do much longer if we can't reverse this trend, Zach. Tell us about Run It by My Morning Jacket. Why is it on your list? Um, well, I think I, when I have the song stuck in my head, I maybe misremember the lyrics a little, but um, it says, <laughs> at least in my head, you, you can't uh, try much harder to get back the water. And, you know, that's kind of how um, I feel like that uh, applies to uh, what's happening with with water in the West? Uh, when you you know mine the groundwater, um, like has happened in in Utah and Arizona, you you can't get it back unless you wait <laughs> another uh, ten twenty thousand years. And the uh, the water that's you know been taken out of Lake Powell over the last twenty two years isn't going to come back on its own either. So um, I just thought this song was a, a good one to go out on. Well, before we hit play, what else are you working on? Because I know you have another book that you're working on for Tory House Press. That's right. Yeah, I'm uh, working on a book about Lake Powell. I'm uh, trying to circumnavigate the shoreline of the lake and meet uh, with a bunch of um, policy experts, uh, activists, archaeologists, scientists, uh, ecologists along the way and uh, try to tell the story of of what's happening uh, to Lake Powell right now, which is what we've been talking about. Zach, thanks so much. Really appreciate your time. Now get back to work. This is important work you're doing. (laughs) Thanks, Laura. This is fun. Zach Podmore, Salt Lake Tribune reporter in southeastern Utah. Check tonight's show notes for links to his reporting as well as our other guests this evening. And thank you for listening and plugging into your community with KRCL's Radioactive tonight. I'm Laura Jones, and here is Zach's final song, My Morning Jacket's Run It, on KRCL. Thanks for listening, and have a great night.